Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 78. And with the Tahoe 200 coming up in officially 16 days, uh, many of my clients are starting to race. I'm starting to think about race day strategy. It's been a big topic around here at She Runs Ultras HQ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, Back when I was training for my first ultra, I was so focused on the day-to-day training that I completely lost sight of the big picture that is race day, right? I put all of my energy into showing up for my training every single day, but the closer I got to race day, the more stressed out I got. Now, in retrospect, I see that that was because I didn't give any thought to how I would actually handle everything between the starting line and the finishing line. Like I did all of the work to get myself to the starting line and I kept things like, you know, the race course and the elevation and the temperature and stuff like that in mind, but I didn't actually think through, okay, once the gun goes off or the bell rings or whatever, how am I going to navigate literally and figuratively across the finish line? It was sort of like a palm to the forehead type of moment, right? I just thought I would show up and run. But quickly, what I learned was that there's way more to running an ultra than just running. And we've talked about this before, but if we sort of want to narrow the focus down, we're specifically kind of talk about race day. And it's funny because this week right now is the, is the final week in the current round of run your first 50 K. And we went deep into race strategies during our last group call yesterday, last night on Wednesday. So I thought I would share a couple key lessons that I personally had to learn the hard way so that you don't have to, right? Because that's always been my strategy and my goal for this podcast is that I'll test out a bunch of stuff and report back. So (laughs) with my findings so that I can shorten the learning curve for you guys. So we're going to break this out into three different time periods so that you can start to track this and think about it at the appropriate time. So we're going to back up to at least four months before the race. Now, you might be thinking that's way too long in advance to be thinking about race day strategy, and that's where you're wrong, okay? So the first thing that I want you to do is to figure out the terrain, the elevation, and the expected weather on your race day. Now, quite literally, I can't think of anything worse than showing up and not being prepared what you're going to face on race day when it comes to these these things, terrain, elevation, and the expected weather. Like you want to have the right training, have been practicing, and have the right stuff in order to navigate your way across the finish line in one piece. (laughs) I say that a lot, but it's very important. So I want you to dig around and see what you can find out so that you can build your training plan accordingly. So go to the race website and, and sort of gather up all the information that you can now. I will say that some races are better at this than others. And we actually had a conversation about this on our Run Your First 50K call because this specific topic came up and we sort of went down a rabbit hole on it. Some races are really good. They give you a ton of information up front and that's awesome. Some races, it might be their first year or... I hesitate to say this, but like they might just not really know what they're doing and they're just so focused on other things that they fail to give you this type of information up front. Now, that might actually be the race 
strategy of the race director. So an example of that would be Barkley Fall Classic. Like you can't get the map ahead of time. There's really no way unless you sort of just look at a map of Frozen Head State Park to know what the relative terrain is. So there is some method behind the madness of that race in particular. So if you've signed up for that kind of a race, just know that ahead of time. There are going to be some unknowns and you're just going to have to show up and handle it. But if you're racing, maybe let's say like a more traditional race where they're going to give you that information up front, there's no time like the present as early and on in the process as you can to start downloading that information um, and aggregating it in one place so that you can build your training plan accordingly. So like if your race features a lot of hills, it's not going to do you any good to spend 20 weeks training on a flat rail trail, a flat paved rail trail, right? Um, if there's going to be a water crossing, you'd better get your feet wet and go for a run to feel what that is going to be like. And if it's going to be hot and you don't do well in the heat, I'm raising my hand over here, you'd better do some heat acclimation practice. So you just, you sort of start to see the bigger picture about what you're going to face on race day and preemptively prepare yourself for it. So building this stuff into your training plan at the beginning will give you ample time to practice and therefore boost your confidence so that when race day arrives, you're not stressed out about what you're going to face. And I think that accounts for a lot of the stress that people face on race day. They make the same mistake that I did. They just They're so focused on like showing up on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday for their runs and doing their strength and trying to sleep that they just forget that there's sort of this whole other side to the thing that they've signed up for. Okay. So the next time period that we're going to go to is six to eight weeks before the race. And this is the time that you want to start to map out your aid station and drop bag plan. If this is your first ultra, The whole concept of aid stations and drop bags might be totally foreign to you, and that's okay, but that's all the more reason for you to spend time thinking about this right now. And again, hopefully you'll be able to get this information from the race website or Facebook or email or wherever they're putting out the information. Um, And if there's not, I just want to put like a general plug that it's okay to sort of poke for the information, like send an email of respective email to the race director or the coordinator, whoever's doing it right. And say, Hey, when can we expect some information about drop bags and aid stations and all that stuff? Um, there's nothing wrong with asking for that information. Again, just with the caveat, like you do it respectively, not, you're not demanding that they send the information. And honestly, they might've forgotten to send the email. I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but six to eight weeks before the race isn't too far in advance, in my opinion, to start asking for that information because that's right around the time when they should be starting to firm up those types of things on the race course with the caveat that you understand that sometimes these things are going to change. Okay. Um, case in point, I had a client actually who was running a race a couple weekends ago, a 50 mile race. And initially the race emails said that they're, that they would pass through the start and finish area seven times. And so she set up her own aid station, like a self-serve aid station in the start finish line. And she planned to be able to use that seven times the night before the race, or maybe it was even, no, I think it was the night before, not the morning of, they got an email with the corrected number and it went down to three. 
So there's a big difference. And I just want to say that that is always a possibility. But I think the further out you ask the question, the better the chances are that you get the information and you can start working from there. And just keep in the back of your head that it could change, but it also might not and you'll be fine. Okay. So there's no one right way to go about hitting up the aid station and drop bags. Um, But in order to figure out what you want to do, you'll need to gather some basic information about the race so that you can come up with your plan. Okay. So let's just talk real quick about the difference between aid stations and drop bags, because there might be some confusion. An aid station is a water stop. That's sort of like the general terminology for it. So it might be a manned station, like there might be people there, and there might actually be unmanned stations, like just water stops in the middle of the woods that are self-serve that you have to do it yourself. They'll provide the supplies, but you have to do it yourself. An aid station will typically have food and fluids. There might be a medic there. There might be volunteers. There might be a porta potty. I'm saying might in front of all of these things because there's no one recipe for aid stations that every race must follow. There's no universal standard. So again, you can sort of see why gathering up this information ahead of time would be really important for you to know so that you can map out your needs. A drop bag is just that. It's a bag of stuff that you put together of your own stuff. You're going to put your name and your bib number on it. And the race staff are going to transport it to a specific place on the course that you'll have access to it. I have a client who's running the Cayuga 50K this weekend, and they have an opportunity to hit up two drop bags four different times. So we developed a whole strategy around how she was going to hit up those drop bags at, I think it's like mile 10, 15, 20, and 25, which is almost unheard of to have access to a drop bag every five miles. So there's a whole bunch of different ways that you might see this show up. Some races won't have drop bags. All right. So again, just another plug for get in there six to eight weeks ahead of time and start asking the questions so you can figure out what you want to do. So let's talk about the things that you should know so that you can start to formulate your plan. And I'll just sort of rip through these notes that I made to myself here. Like the first thing is how many aid stations will there be on the course? What mile markers will they be at? And then from there, you can discern how far apart they're going to be. Like the client that I just mentioned at Cayuga, she's going to basically be able to get to a drop bag um, and an aid station every five miles. Let me also just say, I can't remember if I said this or not, but aid stations and drop bags won't always coincide. So sometimes your drop bag might be in the middle of nowhere, not attached to an aid station. Okay, so just sort of understand that those things aren't necessarily always happening at the same time. You'll want to know what will be offered at each each aid station. So is it going to be just water? Will there be some sort of electrolyte drink? Will there be food there? If so, what kinds of food? That might be stretching it in terms of the information that you're able to gather because a lot of these races won't know the food that they're going to have Um until it's much closer to the race because many of them rely on donations from stores or organizations or whatever. And so that can fluctuate pretty quickly. So 
just, you can ask the question, but don't be surprised if you get a very broad response when it comes to what foods will be offered. Um, will you have the ability to do a drop bag? If they don't state it outright, you could ask the question, maybe it's something they haven't thought of or they're planning to do it, but they haven't formalized or finalized those plans yet. And if so, if they're going to do drop bags, how many? And again, what mile markers will they be at? So you can sort of see, are they going to be attached to an aid station or will they be completely separate from it? Okay. Once you've gotten all this information or some of it, you can start to piece together your plan. And this will essentially dictate what you're going to pack, what you're going to wear, um, what you're going to use for a hydration pack. If you're just going to use handheld bottles, you can really start to see how your plan, your overall strategy is going to come together. You'll be able to decide whether or not you even need or want a drop bag if that's an option for you. And again, what you'll put in it. So, you know, some examples of things that you would put into drop bags would be extra socks, extra shoes, an extra buff or a hat if it's going to be hot, extra clothes, like a change of a full change, underwear, tops, shorts, maybe it's extra layers. Sometimes when we talk about drop bags, we think it's just going to be hot, but there might come a time where you need to get warmer layers out of your drop bag. So, I sort of think about this aspect of ultras like a board game. So, you know, if you're going to aid stations and drop bags, you're sort of like, I can't, I can't think of like a, uh, a game that actually represents what I'm trying to convey here. But, you know, you roll the dice and you move around the board and you make these calculated stops to gather up resources before heading out on the next leg of your journey, right? Getting to the next, you're basically running from aid station and drop bag to aid station and drop bag and so on and so forth. So maybe it's more like, do you guys remember that game, the Oregon Trail? (laughs) Um, And once you've sort of figured this stuff out, You can begin to map out the plan for how you'll move through the race, when you're going to stop, if you're going to skip an aid station, if you want to change clothing at a certain point, all of those sorts of things. Okay. So having all of this information will really lay the foundation for what you're going to do. And the last tip I'm going to give you, but certainly not the least is going to actually happen on race day. And honestly, there is just one rule for race day. And I guess I would extend this really to the whole week leading up to your race. And that rule is do not do anything new. (laughs) Don't do it. You've probably heard this advice thousands of times, but I'm willing to bet that despite the fact that you've heard it before many, many times, you've violated this rule more than once. (laughs) Okay. I'm also guilty of this and I get it. Those fig newtons or that pickle at mile 21 at the aid station are calling your name. But if you didn't practice with them in training, then they are a no-go on race day. Just don't do it. We talked a lot about this during Run Run Your First 50K on Wednesday. Just like, just don't do it. And people were telling horror stories um, about either their experiences or experiences that they've seen their friends or other runners have by violating this rule. It typically involved some vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just is not good. Okay. So what you really want to do is find what works for you and keep it up all the way through to race day. Okay. 
I can't even begin to tell you the ways in which I have had to learn this one the hard way. But despite that, um, this is one of the top pieces of advice that I give whenever anybody asks me what to do on race day. And I still get texts and emails and DMs from friends and family and podcast listeners and random strangers with how their race got derailed. And it always, 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 always comes back to something new that they did on race day. So consider yourself warned. Okay. Now with that said, I want to sort of tell a different story that would argue the counterpoint to this. There could come a time during your race when you are in such a bad way that you have no choice but to do something new. So I want to tell a quick story about a friend of mine who was running his first 25K last year during a race when it was really, really warm. And this is somebody who admittedly has a hard time taking in food and fluids during a race. So we were doing two separate races, but we were on the same course, basically running the same loops. And I happened to catch up with him and he was in a bad way. He was cramping. He was starting, you know, his vision was going fuzzy. He was sweating. He was, you know, sort of gagging, like having a hard time keeping stuff down. And his race was just kind of backsliding. So as we kept going, we were getting pretty close to the next aid station. I said, okay, here's the plan for you going forwards. I want you to eat this, this, and this. I want you to drink this and this. Like he had to, had some handheld bottles. And I said, between this aid station and the next one, I want you to drain those bottles and refill them at the next aid station. He was essentially having to go somewhere between five and six miles to get from aid station to aid station. And that was really the only choice he had. Like there was no way that he was going to be able to continue if he didn't do something new on his race day. But that's an extreme example. Like we want to try not to get to that place in the first place, but just know that it might happen. And you might have to make this calculated decision to sort of abandon your plan and try something new in an effort to keep going and keep you in the game, so to speak. Okay. So just know that. All right. So try not to do anything new during the week leading up to your race and definitely not on race day, unless you are in such a bad way that you have no other choice. All right. Now you might be tempted to skip all of this and in favor of just showing up on race day and winging it because maybe that's what you've done in the past. Maybe that's worked for you, but at some point, it's not going to work work for you. It's going to catch up with you. And I can tell you from experience that winging it just in ultras in general is not really a good idea unless you're totally fine with the calculated risk that goes along with it. Okay. So these tips that I've just given you are the tried and true foundational steps to developing, um, a, a really killer race day strategy. And if you take my advice and you work through each of these steps, I guarantee that you'll not only show up on race day, sort of like cool as a cucumber because you've already, you know, done your due diligence, you'll crush your race because you just know what the hell you're doing. Like there is so much value in showing up, being confident in your ability and your skills and having thought through the plan versus 
rushing to get to the race, showing up late, like missing bib check-in, like, you know, needing to get to the porta potty, but there's a whole line. You didn't leave yourself enough time. Your shoes aren't tied. You forgot your body lube. You don't know if you have your snacks packed in your, in your pack or in your stuffed into your pants pockets. Like there's just so much, like there's a much better way to go about race day than frenzied and frenetic. So if you take this advice and you start mapping this stuff out now, well ahead of the game, you'll show up really confident, stress-free, and ready to rock and roll, okay? If you have questions about any of this, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Like, I'm happy to help you sort of work through your race day strategy, okay? So next week's episode is actually going to be an update on Tahoe, where I'm going to take you through some of the training and the planning and even the logistics so that you can sort of get a sense for what all goes into a multi-day race like this one. And the following week, the 17th, June 17th, that's actually the first official day of Tahoe 200, but not to worry. (laughs) My plan is to put out a podcast episode for that day as well. Okay. Someone actually asked me yesterday if there would be tracking for the race. And there is, I just don't have those links yet. So if you're sort of curious about this and you want to follow along, you have four days to do it. Um, you can check in with me every single day, see where I am. Um, you can, you make sure that you're on my email list because that's where I'm going to be sending the tracking info to with instructions. Cause I'm sure there's going to be lots of instructions that go along with it. And it's just not going to be as easy as me saying, go here, right? You'll have to sort of find me, find the bookmark, the link and all that jazz. Okay. So if you're not already on my um, email list, you can go to the show notes for this episode and I'll put a link there that you can, that'll walk you through how to get on my list. Okay. Um, two more really quick things, but very important things. The next round of run your first 50 K is going to start Monday, July 11th. I sort of have tripped up over the word July because I can hardly believe that it's going to be July here very soon. So if you've got a 50K coming up this fall or maybe even next year and you want to get ahead of the game, you won't want to miss out on this. Um, You're going to have to apply for the program. It's not just open enrollment. And you go to www.runyourfirst50k.com. So runyourfirst50k.com, all one word, no spaces. And that's where you'll find some program information as well as the application to apply for the program. Okay. So this one is for women only because I'm on a mission to help more women run their first ultra, their first 50 K. And so that's what we've dedicated the program to. So you won't want to miss out. You'll see some more, um, information coming out on this over the next coming weeks, but it's a six week program group coaching where we dive deep. There's all these modules where I basically lay out for you how to go from training to the finish line. And it includes a training plan, strength training, mobility, talk about mindset, race strategy, mobility, all of this stuff that you're going to need to start to wrap your head around a successful first 50K, all right? So make sure you go check that out and apply for the program. If you are currently struggling to show up your training consistently, 
then you're going to want to join my accelerated training program that's going to start on Monday, June 27th. So this is a separate program from Run Your First 50K. And I am really pumped about this one because consistency is the name of the game when it comes to ultras and many other things in life. But so many of us, myself included, struggle with consistency. And that's really what's going to be the linchpin in either running your first or your farthest ultra. So this is another six-week program, group coaching. And during those six weeks, we're going to go hard in the paint. Now I say that, like, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to basketball, but the reality is I'm a horrible basketball player and that's why I'm a running coach, but we're going to go hard. Like this is accelerated training. This isn't like we're hanging out, you know, just like chit-chatting. We are going to identify and fix the holes in your current training what you're doing, what you're not doing. We're going to dive into your training plan and personalize it to what you need. You're going to get the peace of mind of knowing that you're doing precisely what's necessary to get you to your goal. You're going to get a whole new group of ultra running friends that can't wait to cheer you on, that you'll be able to talk to, interact with, support, encourage. They'll be able to do the same for you. You're going to get confidence in your training approach and even more importantly in yourself. And this is is a big one, especially if you're running your first ultra, you can be very self, um, conscious. I don't know why that was such a hard word for me to come up with. You can be very self-conscious about what you're doing. You don't know if you're doing it right, if you're doing it enough and all the things. And the goal of this accelerated training program is to put an end to that confusion and really get you going in the right direction. So basically we're going to eliminate the excess worry and the stress and the overwhelm from your training. And we're just going to point you in a direction and we're going to push you and you're going to go and you're going to fail and we're going to be there to support you and you're going to do it over and over and over again until you're consistent and you can sort of take off the training wheels and go on your own. Okay. So that's the accelerated training program. Um, you're going to see more of that stuff, stuff, information about that coming out in via my email list. So keep your eyes on your inbox. That's another reason for you to get on my email list because that's where I'll sort of put all of that stuff. I'll mention it here again next week and give you the link to sign up for it. But for now, That is all for this episode, you guys. Enjoy this beat, and I will see you all soon.